Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. As we turn the calendar into the year 2023, we'll be commemorating 20 years in the life of Rolling Hills Community Church. Anniversaries offer us the chance to reflect on where we've been, where we are now, and where we hope to go. Our church's calling has always been to be a people of God, reaching out, growing up, and giving all. How has God brought this vision to life in the past, and how can we continue pressing toward this vision in the future? Join us this January as we celebrate the testimonies, salvations, baptisms, miracles, and life change which has marked the last 20 years as Rolling Hills. Now, let's tune in. We, we, what we've asked over the past several weeks is we talked about people of God and recognizing that, that as the body of Christ, as the people of God, God has called us to be his people. He, if we've been saved and, and trusted Christ for salvation, then we're called the people of God. And as the people of God, we have things that he's called us to do, to reach out and this week to grow up. And next week, as Chase said, to give all. We're going to talk about giving all. But, but we'll, again, we won't do that here. We'll do that at the Ryman. So make sure you get all the things that need to be done for that. And we'll see you next week. It's going to be a great time. But every week we've, we've asked these questions. There's three kind of questions that I want to move through as we look at this, at what it means to grow up. And why is this a core value of our church? Why is this a core of who we are as Rolling Hills? What does it mean to be a people of God who are growing up? And how does this, how does this become a reality in our lives? As a church and then as individuals, how does growing up, what does it look like practically to do that? And we're going to jump in and we're going to read a passage of Scripture that will kind of be our, our passage for this morning. It's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I think it will be on the screen. Uh, you can follow along there. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to follow along in the Bible or on an app or whatever you you've got there for you. It says this, it says, therefore, Peter writes, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for today, again, and just echoing uh, the songs that we've sung and the, the prayers that have been prayed and the, the, the reminders that have been given as, as we've gotten to this point, Father. And we just pray that you would, in the next several minutes, as we work through this passage of Scripture and ask the question, what does it mean for us to be a people of God who are growing up? And how does that practically work itself out in a church and then also in our lives individually? I pray that by the power of your spirit, that you would open our eyes to the beauty of your word and all of the beautiful things that are in it. You open our ears to hear what your voice is calling us to. And you would ready our minds and our hearts and our hands and our feet for action to live out the calling that you've placed on our lives. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we'll start with these first two questions kind of in the beginning, and then I want to work through a couple things that kind of help us flesh that out, what, what it looks like or how do, how do we flesh that out as individuals. And those first two, why is, this core, why is this a core of who we are as a church and what does it mean to be a people who've got or grow, who are growing up? And I would say this, if you're following along on your worship guide, that second line there is this, that, that God has a destination he desires for his people. That God has a destination that he desires for his people. 
And then that second line, that this is the discipleship, this is a quote from uh, Don Whitney. He says this, that discipleship without or discipline without destination is drudgery. And we're going to talk a little bit about the practices or the disciplines of the faith, the habits that we cultivate in our lives in a second. But I just think put it, the reality that without a destination, without knowing where we're going, knowing that God has a destination for our lives, the disciplines, those habits that we're going to talk about, they, they become drudgery. And so right out of the beginning, right out of the gate, are just a reminder that God has a purpose and a plan for your life, for you as individuals. For us as a church, he has a purpose and a plan. But for you as individuals, he has a purpose and a plan. He has a desire for you, a destination that he desires for you. And then I would say this, that our destination is not a place that we're going, but the person that we're becoming. So God has a destination he desires for his people, for you as individuals. This discipleship, some of the stuff that we'll talk about in a little, the, the, the dis, dis, disciplines of the faith, the practices of the people of God, they become drudgery without a destination. And, and that destination that we're going to is not a place that we're headed, but the person that we're becoming. And I'd say it's safe to say that all of us have hopes and dreams of becoming something, whether you're a middle school, an elementary school kid or a middle school or a high school or college, and you've like gone through three or four different majors, right? How many of you changed it at least once when you, if you went to, if you went to college, changed it at least once? I stuck with it the whole time. I don't know. I'm just kind of a, kind of awesome like that. Uh, actually, I was just scared to change it. And uh, that was really the truth. But, the, but that reality that we all have something that we, and, and especially in college, like we thought we wanted to become this until we got into it and we we're like, whoa, that's crazy. And you want to change it to something else, right? And you end up in general ed. You're like, I'll just generally get a scholarship, a, a, a degree, and we'll move on. But we have something that we want to become. And maybe you've found that, play, that place and you've, you have a, a spot that's yours and you have a career and a life, and, but there's still things that you want to become, right? You want to grow and, and become better at some of the things that you do. Maybe you're a golfer and you're like, I want to be a better golfer. And, and, and that's a hope of mine and I, it's not working out so well. But, there, but there's things that I want to do. There's places that I want to grow. I want to become more generous, I want to overcome some fears. I want to, I want to, over, I want to see struggles pass away. There's things that I'm, I want to become that I'm maybe not right now. That's a lot of what we do when we put together our New Year's resolutions, right? If you really kind of get down to the basis of it, it, it's really the person that we want to become is what we're trying to set out as this resolution, right? We put this thing there, but we're saying, I want to become somebody who does this. We all have this desire to become something. It's put inside of us to, to, that, that we know that where we are is not necessarily the end, that we're becoming something. And this is where we have to ask the question, why, really the first question, why is this a part of who, what is this a part of what a church is, is that this a people of God who are growing up. And I would say, this, I would say if you're following along, that, that growing up, that what, where we're going, that destination that God desires for us is growing into the fully mature disciples. That the destination that God has for us, for us individuals, whether you end up as an accountant or a professional golfer, right? If you're a, a pastor or if, if, you're, if, if you're a teacher, whatever it is, that God's destination for you, even through the midst of your career or, or, or whatever it is that you end up doing for the rest of your life, that God's ultimate goal for you is to become a fully mature disciple. And it's where we're going 
It's, 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 it's what God's doing through the church. It's, what he's, it's his end goal. The end goal of all of this far-flung strategy for the human race is God growing us into fully mature disciples. I, I, there's one of, one of the guys that I, that I read on a regular basis, one of my favorite pastors uh, that I go to and, and study and, and whatnot and just for own personal encouragement is a guy named Ray Stedman. And he, he, about this passage and about God's desire, what he's doing through the church and what he's after in us, he says this, that he says it's important for us to realize that according to these passages from 1 Peter where he said just a second ago, get rid of these things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, slander, all those things, and, and crave this pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up into your salvation. In Ephesians, he goes, in Ephesians 4.13, he says this, that, that until we all reach unity in faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. He said, so it's important for us to realize, according to these passages, that the supreme purpose of God, God's ultimate purpose for the church is not evangelizing the world. And listen, if you grew up in the church, this is going to be hard for you to, to hear. This may be a little bit controversial because we kind of, we put the, the Great Commission as the, as the prize, right? It's the thing. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to tell everybody everywhere about Jesus. And absolutely, that is a part of it. But we're telling everybody everywhere about Jesus so that, right, as they come to know Christ, so that they grow into fully mature disciples. When he sent us out at the end of his ministry, he says, go to all the earth and make disciples. His desire, his ultimate desire for us, the goal is Christ-likeness, for us to become more and more like Christ. The destination that he has planned for you, whoever you are, wherever you've been, is to become a fully mature disciple. He didn't say, and it's not growing up into theologians or, or, or theological authorities or, or cultured clergymen. It's not, that's not the goal, right? He's not, he's not looking for, for angels walking or saints walking around in, in snow white robes. That's not what it is. He's looking for ordinary men and women, just like you and I, that increasingly are formed and shaped more and more into the image of God, reflecting Jesus and our actions and our attitudes, that we'd be a church, that we'd be individuals that grow up into fully mature disciples. We're going to reach out, right? It's foundational. It's the beginning. It's the, it, the, we're, we want to make sure that that's paramount to what we do, but we're reaching out. We're drawing. We want people to come and hear the gospel so that they grow up into fully mature disciples. That's our destination. It's what, it's, it's what we're doing here. It, it, so we, we have the, these questions that we, that we kind of start with of why is this core to who we are as a church and, and, and what, is that, what does it look like or what does it mean for us to be a people of God who, who are growing up. And for the rest of our time together, what I really want to do is kind of flesh that out. What does it look like for us to do these things? What does it look like for us to be a people of God who are growing up practically? How do we make this a reality? And this is where we're gonna, you're going to see that I'm, I, you know, no matter how hard I try uh, to, to escape it, I'm just, I'm at my core, just a Baptist pastor, right? I and mean, this is just what it is because I'm, I'm going to give you uh, four Ds that help us understand. I can't get away from it. It's, it's just my, it, it, well, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but. But the first thing, what we, how we make this a reality for us is the first thing is that we've determined where we are now. 
In order for, us this to, for this to become a reality for us, to be fully mature disciples, to grow up into fully mature disciples, we've got to determine where we are now. And I, I, I know that there's a handful of people in this room that, that fit this description, that you're those people, those uniquely wired people, that even though you've got in your car a thousand times and driven from your house or your apartment or wherever you live to work every day a thousand times, you get in your car and you plug the address to the place that you're going that you've been a thousand times into Waze or into Google Maps and the, or into Apple, whatever. I don't know if anybody actually uses that one. And even though you've done it, you follow blindly wherever Waze tells you to go, right? And I have lots of opinions on that, but they're ill-informed, although they're passionate. I'm not going to waste your time on it. But, but I don't need Waze to tell me where to go. Right? I know how to get to the, work, to the office. I, I, I mean, I'm pretty confident that I know. But I know some of you like to, do, like to put that in there. But the reality for us, even though when, we're, when we put that, when we, start out the, 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 when we start out that trip and we put that direction in there. Some of y'all, have you noticed that when you get in the car, like it, it says, like it'll tell you, hey, you're going to work. I'm like, how do you know I'm going to work? I ain't going to work now because that's weird. <laughs> I'm going somewhere else, Google. But in order to get to where we're going, the reality is if you're plugging that in, in order to get to where you're going, you have to know where you're starting. And if we're going to become fully mature disciples, we have to start by knowing where we are. We're never going to get to, and we're never going to get to that destination that God has for us unless we really have the moment where we understand where we are. And so here's the tough part of determining where we are. We have to ask ourselves hard questions and answer them honestly. We have to ask ourselves the hard questions and answer them honestly and listen to the Lord when he speaks to us the truth and into our hearts. And, and as David writes in, in Psalm, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Teach me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. We have to start by asking God to search our hearts. And so we go back to this First Peter passage in chapter 2 where, where, we, where we started just a minute ago. And we have to ask these questions. What, what, what does it say? He says, the very beginning, he says, therefore, rid yourself. Right? So I'm going to ask myself the question, if I'm supposed to rid myself to grow up, what, what are these things that I'm supposed to rid myself of? And he goes through this list. He says, there's malice. I'm like, I'm good. I don't even know what malice is, so I probably don't have it. <laughs> what is Malice. Those feelings of, of, of hatred or ill will towards somebody. You're like, I'm good. Uh, what about that coworker you really don't like? That you kind of wish they would go away. Maybe for some of you, you have this ill will towards your parents. Students, maybe you're in that place where just everything that your parents do and say gets on your nerves. And let me in, let you on the inside of something. You get on theirs too. I don't have any experience with that. I don't know. But. Or maybe you, you, you're an adult and you look back at your pain. You still just have some ill will towards your parents. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a neighbor that you just harbor something against. There's, it, it, you may not ever use the word malice, but you know that feeling that you have inside of you, that there's a, there's, there's a brokenness between you and someone else that is not going to heal itself. And if you had anything to do with it, they would just exit. Maybe it's deceit. He says, you get rid yourself of deceit. 
Just that kind of hiding the truth, right? We're hiding, hiding the, or covering the truth. We're maybe cheating. Maybe we're, we're, we're cutting the corners at, at our job or at home. Maybe at school you found yourself kind of cutting those corners. There's deceit there. There's hypocrisy, kind of pretending to be somebody that you're not. Maybe you, 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 you want you, something that you're not or pretending to be, to be good when you know that you're not doing well. There's envy. He says, rid yourself of envy, that resentment, that bitterness, that discontent and jealousy when someone else gets something that you think that you should get. I mean, this is getting in my backyard a little bit, and I hope it's in yours because it hurt this weekend as I, or this week as I was working through this. When I think about that, those moments when somebody else gets that position or, or those possessions or they have an ability that I wish I had. Instagram does not help me in this specific place because I follow a lot of pastors. I know it's like, really? That's weird. But I do, I follow these pastors and I see their, their buildings. I'm like, ooh, a building. God, that's awesome. And I hear them preach, and I'm like, they're not that great. I'm like, it's envy. It's just envy. I wish I had something that they were their their ability. I wish they had positions or possessions that this person have. The relationships or freedoms that they have. There's slander. He says, rid yourself of slander. That language, that backbiting. That 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 when we talk about someone or we make ourselves try to make ourselves look better to make someone else look worse. My favorite, and under that slander, one of the, uh, the, in the thesaurus, I know how to use a thesaurus. It's, it's one of my favorite books. This one, scandal mongering. That's, that's a, another word for slander. And you scandal mongers in here, stop it. That's bad. It's bad. But we keep going. He says, like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk. And remember, to figure out where we are going or where our destination, before we get to that destination, we got to know where we are. And so the question of, do, do I really crave pure spiritual milk? And the best we can understand from the, well, what he's talking about, other translations and, and, and the, from the original, that he's really talking about God's word, an affection for God's word, a, a desire, even the slightest desire for God's word. We keep going, he says, so that you may grow up into your salvation. Again, I've got to ask the tough questions. Is there any evidence that I'm growing up in my, in my relationship with Christ? You know, let's go to the fruit of the Spirit. There's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I think I got all of them. Uh, is there an increasing measure? Do I see these things in increasing measure in my heart? Am I more peaceful now than I was a year ago? Or when I trusted Christ, however long ago, do I see that peace? Or do I, when I don't see that peace, do I recognize it? Am I moving forward? Is there an increasing measure, maturity in my relationship with Christ? Do I love God more? Do I trust him more? And this is a really tough one. He says, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Yeah. Have I tasted that the Lord is good? Has there been that place, if I'm honest with myself, that I've actually put my faith in Christ as my Savior? Where I've submitted to him as Lord of my life? 
Have I, have I come to that place where, where I've truly trusted him? Or, or is this all of what I'm doing just what, what, what I'm, just a repeat of what I started a long time ago because I came with a friend or came with my parents? Have I really tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Do I know him as my savior? In order to find out, in order to get to where we're going, the destination that God has for us, we have to know where we are. We have to determine where we are. And if you're here this morning, some of you look at this list and you're like, I'm good. I'm doing great. Awesome. Praise the Lord for you. Some of you have like, I'm way off track. And listen, I want you to hear, he's inviting you back in. Wherever you, wherever you have veered off, he's saying, come to me. And you're like, I can't. I'm like, yes, you can. His word tells us that nothing can separate us from his love. And so no matter how far you've walked away, he invites you to come back in. I, I, I promise that he's never going to turn you away. No matter what you think you've done to keep it, he's going to receive you as a loving father. Maybe as you wrestle, you actually, you, what you come to the point is realizing that you've really never put your faith in Christ. And what a better day I mean, there's no better day than starting right now to say, I want to put my faith in you, Jesus. And if that's you, after the, at the end of the service, after we're, we wrap up, I'd love to have a conversation with you about what it means to put your faith and just trusting Christ, admitting that you are a sinner and, and confessing that sin, repentance, and trust putting your faith in Christ and finding that new life in him. But no matter where you are, and this is number two, that no matter where you are, you have to decide to take a next step. We determine where we are now, and no matter where we are now, we have to decide to take a next step. Next step is the language that we use around here a lot. If you've been around Rolling Hills for a little bit, you've heard us say these words before. Uh, we talk about the Next Step Disciples Guide uh, every, pretty much every week. Uh, I try to talk about taking a, daily, a next step, daily step, reading God's word uh, as, as, a, as a part of that next step. And next step is an important phrase for us because we believe that no matter where you are, if you've been a Christian for eight minutes, eight days, eight years, or 80 years, you have a next step, that all of us have a next step. We all are continuing to grow. He's never done with us. And so we're all continuing to grow, all taking that next step. And it all comes down to a choice. There's a, a book, a book original, originally a book and then became a movie named Shawshank Redemption. It was written by Stephen King. And in the book, I, I, don't, I don't think I can say this is a pastoral recommendation to watch the movie. Uh, but there's a, there's a line that one of the characters says in, in, the, in the movie and in the book. He says, I guess it all comes down to this, a choice, either to get busy living or to get busy dying. There's a reality, there's a truth for all of us every day. There's a choice to either get busy living or get busy dying. To take the next step, to say I'm going to take a next step in my relationship with Christ, or I'm going to stay stagnant and stay right where I'm at. In First Peter, when he's writing to these Christians in, in, in chapter 1, he's kind of telling them what it means to walk with Jesus. And as they've kind of been spread out and dispersed from Jerusalem, they've moved all over the place. He's writing them, to this, writing them this letter and saying, hey, this is what it means to live a faithful life wherever you find yourself with him. And at the end of that chapter, chapter 1, he says this in verse 13. He says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober... In another translation, he says this, therefore, with your minds ready for action. Ready for action. Like on the ready, ready to go. 
In Acts 2, it says we're ready for action, making a decision. We're making the decision to move out. Acts 2, the Christians in Jerusalem on that first, in that first push as the church is being formed, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. They devoted themselves. They made a decision. They took a step to give their lives over, to give themselves to this destination that God desired for them. And Paul writes to the church in, in Corinth, he says this in, verse, in chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, he says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things behind me. He made a decision. He made a decision to step forward, to put away those childish things, to make a next step, to grow into fully mature disciples. And so it really comes down to this question for all of us, am I serious about it? Am I serious about it? Am I serious about taking that next step, about actually following Jesus and growing up to be a fully mature disciple? And I, I, I want you to hear me say this. I want you to hear me over and over again say this because I feel like there was a moment that it clicked for me when I was growing up and I'd walked in, in something that looked like I was a Christian. But there was, there was a moment when somebody says, are you actually serious about growing in your relationship with Jesus? That it clicked for me. And I'm hoping that this morning for some of us in the room that it'll click when it says that I have to decide to take a next step. And that decision is to say, I'm going to take this seriously. I've taken lots of other things seriously and it hasn't brought me what I thought it would bring me. But I believe that this will bring me the hope and the joy and the peace. And I'm telling you, it will. I'm not going to say it's going to bring you the easy life, but I'm going to tell you it's going to bring you a full life. Make a decision. So we make that decision to take the next step and then we follow the directions. Our third one is to follow directions. I wrestled a pretty good bit this week with this line because in my ADD brain, when I thought about following directions, what I hear and see is a frustrated educator, maybe third, second, third grade teacher. I don't know uh, their names, Miss um, Cranfield. The, the <laughs> pointing their finger at me and snarling and saying, T, did you follow the directions? And like making me change my card and like taking away my recess. And so I don't like the language of following directions, right? That makes me feel weird. And again, the whole ways thing, I'll take my own way to, I don't, I don't want to listen to somebody else. That's probably a pride thing. It's a pride thing. I probably need to see a counselor. But it took me a long time to realize that God in his grace has given us instructions, has given us directions that his word is not just, is not, a, is not something that he lays on top of us to weigh us down, but it's a gracious, loving directions for how to live the life that he's called us to live. David writes in Psalm 19, one of my favorite passages of scripture, and this is really one of those places where God, this is a passage that God used to kind of open my eyes to this, where he tells us that God's instructions, his words are perfect and they're refreshing to our soul. His words are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. They give joy to the heart. They're radiant and give light to the eyes. They endure forever. They're more precious than gold, sweeter than honey. It says, by them we're warned and in keeping his words, keeping his instructions, following his instructions, there's great reward. God's instructions are found throughout scripture and, and following his instructions is where we find the full life. 
and where we find, where we begin to grow up into those fully mature disciples. We, throughout history, uh, people have taken God's word and these, dis- these disciplines that are from God's word, or maybe we talk about habits. And, and throughout history, I mean, uh, men and women have taken these and practiced these disciplines or these habits. And, and, and because those words kind of strike our culture as odd, we decided to use practices, right? And unless you're Alan Iverson, uh, the, or Iverson, you, you're okay with practices. Some of you will get that. Uh, and maybe the other ones won't, and that's okay. But either way, a couple of years ago, what we decided is we were going to put together a, a, a disciples guide. We talked about it a second ago. And, and we said that these would be the practices of the people of God. And saying, hey, there's, there's a handful of ancient, I mean, these are not new. They're things that have been happening all the way from the very beginnings of the church. Practices, habits, disciplines of the people of God that have fostered this growth in them. We don't make ourselves grow. We put ourselves before the Father, before the Son, and He makes us grow. But these are the ways that we do that. And so as we work through them, there's, there's daily practices, there's weekly practices and monthly practices that, that as we practice these habits and these rhythm, put them as rhythms of our lives, we grow up into fully mature disciples. And if you don't have a, a Next Steps Disciples Guide, we've got some at the table. I'd love for you to grab one. It's a helpful resource. And before we close, before we kind of move on here, there's two, or, or there's four of the, there's two daily ones and two weekly ones that I want to highlight for us. And the two daily ones, if you, as you're reading through, the, there's two daily uh, rhythms or, or, or practices, the, the Bible reading and prayer. And if you've been around me for any time, you know that I'm going to talk, I'm a broken record about the absolute essential nature of the practice of daily spending time reading God's Word or reading the Bible. And so the, fir- the, the first, first thing that if you're filling out your stuff, it's time with God in His Word and in prayer. Time with God in his word and in prayer. So daily we spend time with God. If we're going to grow into these fully mature disciples, how do we make this happen? It's, it's because we take that next step. We daily spend time with God in his word and in prayer. We make the decision and we daily spend time with God in his, in his word, following the directions that he's given us. And he's given us his word. Listen, I, I, again, I don't have enough time to kind of work through this. But God has given us everything that we need. Everything that God desires for us to know about him and who he is and all that he's done and and how he works in our lives are within the pages of this scripture. He left nothing out that we needed to know. There's not some mystery beyond this, right? right? Every year at Easter and Christmas, there's like the secret gospel. Listen, there's nothing that God wants us to know about him that he didn't put inside of these 66 books And if we want to know who God is, if we want to grow and become the fully mature disciples that he desires for us to be, the destination that he has for us, it's going to come when we spend time with him in his word. The sad thing is, in a recent study, it says that that over 70%, and I would say this is higher, over 70% of people that confess to be Christians don't crack their Bibles open once between Sunday and Sunday. And if you want to know why you're not growing as fully mature disciples, I would say start there. If you're not spending time with God in his word, there's no reason for you to believe that you're going to grow into a fully mature disciple. None. 
If you're not spending time with him in prayer, it, listen, simply put, there is no, there's simply no Christian life apart from a diet of, of the milk and the meat of Scripture. And all the people, all individuals who have walked with God have viewed prayer as a main business of their lives. All of them. And, and this, right, right at the beginning of the year, God just kind of opened my eyes and convicted me personally of some lack of some places. If I'm figuring out the direction and, and where I'm at, where, where I'm at right now, and the, the place that I'm at right now, the reality is there are some places that I've become lax in reading God's word and really spending time in prayer beyond just, hey, God, bless our kids and uh, make today good or whatever. And so God is, moved, is convicting me at the beginning of the year to say, you gotta, you've got to really dive in and not just read it to mark it off on a check, a check mark on your Bible study plan, but really read God's word and spend time with him in his word and in prayer. And then secondly, time with God, time with God's people in worship and community. And Chase said it earlier, we believe that God can transform lives in rows. And so we say, man, come and make a commitment to be a part of church, right? Listen, there's going to be lots of things this year that are going to say, Sunday, you should do this. And, and there's a commitment level. I'm not saying become pharisaical about it, not become, not, not crazy, follow the rules and God's going to strike you down if you don't go to church rather than go to the, go hang out with your family. He's not, that's not what I'm saying. But making a commitment to being here is a part of our growth. It's a part of us growing in our relationship with God, to worship together, to sing these songs and to, to praise the Lord together, to, to open up God's word and hear it preached together, to be around people that are in different stages. I love, I mean, listen, one of my favorite things is I was, as I was standing in the back watching a row of young adults and then a, a family that has, that, is, that has grandkids come and sit down next to each other and know that they know each other, they know each other's name. I love it. Because we need each other. We were never meant to do this by ourselves. And I need to see you raising your hand on weeks when I don't feel like it. Because I know what's going on in your life. And I know that if you're raising your hands in the midst of, of the craziness that's happened in your life, then I can also trust the God that you're singing to. We need each other. So we need to be here with God's, God's people in worship, but also in community because we believe that that life transformation happens more in circles than it does in rows. So if you're not in a group, listen, it's one of my goals that every person in this room has a group. Whether that's a Thursday morning, I think the, sign, the, the, the slide earlier said Wednesday morning, that's Thursday morning for our ladies at, at the office or at, at uh, I think the Martha Doll's house on, at, at some point on Thursday. Uh, there's the gathering, those morning and evenings. There's, there's opportunities there. There's community groups. There's men's groups. We're going to start some verses groups that are or at least one verses group that's going to happen at the office. It's 6 a.m. Dudes, wake up. It's fine. You'll be all right. Um, I need, we need to be in a group. A care group, something. We need to be in a group because we need to surround ourselves with individuals that can encourage us in the walk that we're in to become fully mature disciples. We have to make that decision to take the next step. We have to make the decision to decide where we are, decide to take the next step, and follow the directions. And then lastly, as we work through these, and I'm just going to tell you these because I don't have time to walk through all of them, that we don't give up. 
Don't give up. Don't give up. I know too many people who have walked halfway and decided that they could do it better than God. They thought that they could, they could live the life that they wanted better on their own without Christ. Don't give up. Be patient. I'm hoping these all come up. There you go. Be patient. It's not going to happen overnight. Be persistent. Even in those, va- in those valleys where things are dark and lonely, be persistent. Right? I, was, I was reading a book right now, and, and, and the, the, the author or the, um, the main individual, a guy named uh, Sherman, uh, no, not Sherman, Shackleton, uh, his, his phrase was, by, by endurance we conquer. By endurance we conquer, by, by persistence we see that success. All of us have gone, have had those moments where we hit those blocks and we've kept pushing through and on the other side of those blocks are where we see that growth. So be persistent, be hopeful. Listen, listen all of us, if you're a believer in Jesus, you can have this hope that the best for you is yet to come. Now I'm not saying that it's all going to be on this side of heaven, but for you, no matter what, if you've trusted Christ, the best for you is yet to come. And so we can remain hopeful that even as the darkness happens here, there's light on the other side. And I know that the best, and there's more joy, there's more peace. Even though life's struggles get bigger, there's more hope. So remain hopeful, remain obedient. God puts a high value on obedience. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And so in those moments where we have those opportunities to, to do it the way that we want to do it, to follow our own ideas, God says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Be obedient and abide. In John chapter 15, Jesus says this, that, that I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me, remain in me, for apart from me you can do nothing. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and when we talk about we talk about growing up. That image of abiding is that image of staying, staying connected to the vine, staying connected to the root. Because in, in the root, in the, in the vine, is all of the sustenance that we need for the life that he's called us to. So we remain, we abide. It's not us that makes anything grow. It's him that makes us grow. And we abide in him. We rest in him. And if you, maybe, uh, hopefully as you came in, you grabbed the, the elements for communion. And what I, I love about these moments when we get to celebrate this is that reminder of what it means to trust him, to put our faith in him. That when, when, when we put our faith in him, that, that he gives us this new life and he gives us not only life then, but he sustains us. That he becomes the life that sustains us. He gives us the air that we breathe and the, the breath in our lungs that in him we have everything, life and breath and everything. And it says on the night that he was betrayed, when he was with his disciples, and on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. And he talks about being the bread of life. He, he, he talks about him being the bread of life. And this is this, a reminder that he is what sustains us, who gives us life and sustains that life. So every time we take this, he says, remember, do this in remembrance of me. The life that he's called us to, to grow up into, he's provided for as the bread of life that sustains us. And so we take that bread and we, we eat it in remembrance of him. And in the same way, at the end of the meal, it says that he took the wine and he said, this is my, bo- this is my blood poured out for you, a new covenant. 
a new covenant, a new arrangement. It says that, that, that rather than the, the, the blood that would be shed by sacrifices, that he was going to become that sacrifice sufficient to cover all of our sins and to give us new life. And again, he sustains us by his word, by, by his body and his blood that was shed for us. And we do this every time in remembrance that he's the one that we abide in. He's the one that makes us grow. And it's his likeness that he's called us that destination that he's called us to. And so we, we take this, this juice as a, a reminder and do this in remembrance of him. And they took the juice together as a sweet reminder. And it says at the end that they, as Jesus, they took that meal and that, the, the, the cup and it says they got up and they went out and they sang hymns together. And so this morning, as we, as we finish, as we've walked through his word and celebrate communion together, we're going to wrap up with a song together and just sing and celebrate his goodness together, just as the disciples did on that night just before he was betrayed. That's the end of the episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Make sure you click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a sermon. Also, don't keep this sermon to yourself. Share it with your friends and family. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, go ahead and download our app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. Happy New Year and happy 20th anniversary, church. We hope you'll continue to join us this year and beyond as we keep reaching out, growing up, and giving all together.